Let's talk about debt, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about debt. I always love when it's it's you and I on these podcasts, and we haven't done one for a little while. No, it's been a while. I thought I was fired. <laughs> no such <laughs> you're, luck. You're never fired. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I do think that we have so much to talk about. It's January. You know, there's so many people harping on this. Get out of debt. Make more money. What's your goals? And while all of those are great, I think really wrapping your brain around what is being rich versus what is being wealthy? And how do we define that, mm. you and I? Mm-hmm. But also, how do we share that with other people? Like what they should look at this year and determine, well, am I rich or am I wealthy? Or am I neither? <laughs> right. Because, you know, I know you and I, we've tested this out and we've asked several people, like, how do you define? Like, what's the point yeah. where you say, I've made it, yeah. I'm, I'm rich or I'm right. wealthy? Right, so the question is, um, rich or wealthy? Being rich or wealthy, what's the difference? Right, right, yeah. So what what's your what's your definition of rich versus wealthy? Well, I kind of look at it similar to how I look at fashion. I think I think rich is loud. It's it's have to wear Gucci name brand everything. It screams, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Wealthy is quiet. Wealthy is luxurious, buttery fabrics, but they're not screaming labels. Mm-hmm. That's how I view money. Mm-hmm. And that's how I view rich versus wealthy. So I think that people who are quote unquote rich, mm-hmm. they tend to be a little flashier um, with how they spend their money and how they live their life. Whereas wealthy people, you really don't even know how they make their money. Mm-hmm. They're just that discreet in the way they function. Okay. So loud versus quiet. Yeah. That's interesting. I've never thought about it in those terms. Mm-hmm. Rich is loud and wealthy is quiet. Yeah. And w- but if you think about people that we've known growing up over time, mm-hmm. wealthy individuals that we had no idea they were wealthy. Yeah. Would you probably say that was the case because they were quiet about it? Yeah. They didn't feel they had to prove anything yeah. or keep up with the Joneses, mm-hmm. which I know we've talked about before. It was yeah. it's it's interesting because we asked this question to a group and a ranging in ages, you know, multiple 20s. multiple mm-hmm. decades from 20s to 60 year olds. Right. And the the answers were completely different mm-hmm. of the difference between rich and wealthy. And the younger group in their 20s and 30s immediately went to an income. Um, you know, six figures right. was the common answer. If I make a hundred thousand yeah, plus a year. Some of them gave an I'm exact rich. number, right. um, you know, hundred thousand dollars, hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Um, but it was the notion was that society has impregnated us with this thought that a six-figure income denotes richness. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Then you got to the older generation, and the notion of rich was more about what they had in savings. Yeah. So when people had seen more seasons of life, um it and had experienced the ups and downs that come with the real world. Right. Um, it wasn't just all about how much money I made. 
It was about how much money I kept. Right. <laughs> right? Totally. And that's that, all that matters. That's always been my working definition of rich and wealthy as I've mentored people um, over the years and mentored people through financial decisions was rich really is a byproduct of how much you make and wealth is <clears throat> an idea of how much you keep in the way of financial assets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it actually, it's synonymous with your loud versus quiet mm-hmm. because wealth is quiet mm-hmm. because savings are quiet, mm-hmm. you know, um, where richness is, you can make a billion dollars a year and spend a billion and one dollars and you are not wealthy. Right. However, you're rich because you can buy anything you want and you can you can pay for the lifestyle you want. And to the outside world, you would look quite wealthy, but yeah. actually you're rich. Right. And I think that we've witnessed this. You know, there's been seasons in our lives to where when we started making great money, the natural tendency of a human being is get the stuff, right? Yes. Because that's what rich people do mm-hmm. is they get the cars, they get the Rolexes, get the they plane. get the houses, they get the planes, they get the places overseas. But then after you do it, it's like, this gets old. Yeah. Right? I, we're actually experiencing that with our son, Connor. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. think we should kind of share a little bit about Connor because this seems like the perfect time. He's 15. He's got a successful business that mm-hmm. he runs. Mm-hmm. And from the outside world, most of his friends, they actually call him Richie Rich. Yeah. You know, he had a Rolex delivered to him to the house. He (laughs) drives a Mercedes AMG. But Connor's rich Mm -hmm. because he's 15, (laughs) making a decent amount of money. And he's got the bling. He's 15 and got the bling. And here's the key phrase. Yeah. He has no expenses. Right. His parents pay for everything. (laughs) Right. Right. right? Yeah. So he is rich. And we've all had those seasons to where when you do come into money, mm-hmm. that the richy rich factor is there. Yeah. But I do believe that as you get older, it, it, it's like how many more, how many more, I would say purses, but I really do love purses. <laughs> yes. How many how more many, purses how many can more you have? purses do you possibly need? And I love great cars and I, there's certain things that I love, but I also am not one that I have to fly first class. Mm-hmm. I, to me, that's the biggest waste of money. Yeah. So I think that what you have to dial into, and maybe you can even help me understand this, is even if I want to live under this, I would rather be wealthy than rich. There's mm-hmm. certain luxuries that I'm just not willing to part with. Yeah. Like, and it's more a personal preference, but there's others where I'm like, I don't need to be in first class. Yeah. I could literally sit in the back. It doesn't, we're all going to the same place. Yeah. I am not paying triple or double for first class. It's so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting because this generation, and we've had a conversation about this, this next generation, they're Gen Z, they really should rename them the YOLO generation because I've heard Connor say that so many times, you know, and I'm constantly preaching to him, Connor, you can buy your first duplex right now. Like you could get rid of the AMG, Get rid of the Rolex, get rid of the other bling, and buy your first duplex. And I'm trying to teach him to start building wealth. He's, he says, Dad, YOLO. And I'm like, no, not YOLO, you know? And I mean, yes, YOLO, but no, not YOLO. Yeah. And um, there is something that 
this, when you first make money, or even to our folks that have struggled with debt and been through seasons of poverty like we did, Mm -hmm. when you first come out of that, there's like this mental wish list. Mm -hmm. And you want to punch them all. Yeah. And I mean, I knew for me, my first my first thing what was, was a it? custom boat. <laughs> I wanted a custom boat my whole life. And when we first made money, I couldn't get to Sabalo fast <laughs> enough to design that 32-foot Sabalo. I wanted my baby. I had a picture of that thing on my cubicle, you know, yeah. for years. Yeah. And so uh, there's this punch list, you right. know. Mine was a boat, and then it and then it was a lot of other things. The yeah. list just kept growing, um, and uh, and I know you had your own list. What was your first big thing? Well, I mean, for me, obviously, it was a Gucci handbag. You yeah. know, like I have, I've always been into fashion, and so I've just never been in a position to purchase a bag <laughs> like that. And so yeah. then it's like they're always coming out with a new bag. Like my whole closet was bags. You know, I just, I have a love for them, but it was also a Range Rover. Mm -hmm. And, and to your point, yeah. Once you punch those off, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like, okay, I did that. It wasn't near what I thought it was going to be in the way of fulfillment and happiness and, and joy and all those things. But it's hard not to walk through that, you know, and and um, be able to say that I've done it. It's something about I've made it. You know, I've got my custom boat. I've made it. And then, like, reality sets in that I, I need to live a non-YOLO life, you know? And I think that's kind of where wealth, the wealthy kicks in versus yeah. a rich mentality. Well, for me... And as you're saying this, I was thinking, well, what is it? When does the switch turn off to where people recognize, I don't want to be rich, I want to be wealthy? And I actually think, for me, what has happened is over the years, you can only have so many cars and so many purses and so much clothes. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen is what it costs you by not investing. If I would have invested the same money that I did in X and car in a piece of property, Mm -hmm what I lost by not doing like this instead of that, it's like yeah. that game Yeah, for me. Yes. And, and to me at this stage of my life, mm-hmm. recognizing that having gone through multiple seasons yeah. of income up and down. Right. Okay. I think we have a, we have a misconception that what goes up stays up mm-hmm. and what goes down stays down. That's right. So all of you that are listening right now and you're riding the crest of your wave, I'm here to tell you, that wave won't stay crested. Right. There is a shore and mm-hmm. it will break. Yep. And for those of you that are listening that are at the bottom of your wave and you feel like it will never crest, that's not true either. You know, what goes down doesn't stay down. That's this right. life is dynamic. So wealth is to be able to sustain regardless of the wave size, whether mm-hmm. it's big or whether it's small. I am about... Uh, controlling assets that generate income that now allow me to live a full life of spending time with our granddaughter, traveling, spending time with friends, you know, going places that we like to go and eating our favorite foods Mm -hmm. or whatever. That to me, that's true wealth that I now have flattened off that, that, that curve associated with that wave, you know? And I think that's what we've been aspiring to, mm-hmm. is getting to a place of wealth 
is quiet, yep. generating income off of your disciplined savings you've been able to set aside over the years, mm-hmm. right? Your and money's working for you. Your money's working for you. Yeah. And you are foregoing. The, I mean, once again, Sacrifice. Connor, dad, why do you not have a Lambo? <laughs> I'm like, I don't want a Lambo. He's like, what do you mean? Yeah. I mean, how could you not want a yeah. Lambo? YOLO. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't want a Lambo because a Lambo isn't doing anything for my aspirations to be a wealthy human being and wealthy, not just with zeros. It's all about where you place the zeros, right? It's not just zeros in a bank account. It's also zero headaches. It's about... Zero employees. (laughs) Zero employees. It's about um, uh, zero stress associated with how am I going to pay this bill? Zero debt. Yep. Those are, to me, all those trickle down to the bottom line of a a wealthy Mm -hmm. individual. So, yeah. I say no to Lambo right now <laughs> in, in lieu of being able to stay the course with a wealth plan. But think about that generation. I think where a lot of that stems from, Ryan, is that we just experienced this run up through COVID to where they saw so many people passing away and just like, what, what are we saving mm-hmm. for? We're all going to die from a pandemic. Yeah. And in some twisted way, I believe, and we've talked about this, mm-hmm. that it's permanently set something in their brains that thinks, hey, life is not forever. And mm-hmm. they're right, right? Yeah. But almost to the other extreme, like yeah. we're not going to plan for tomorrow. It's all about today yes. and living our best life because we may all be quarantined tomorrow mm-hmm. for months. 100%. The, the COVID pandemic generation, they're marked. Yeah. And, um, and, and it did something psychologically that created a YOLO perspective on mm-hmm. life. And um, it concerns me because uh, YOLO is a dangerous way to live. It's kind of like the Finley's favorite saying, you know, What's the worst that can happen? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, left to my imagination, I could think of some pretty bad things. Right. And um, but that's kind of the mentality they have. What's the worst that can happen? Yellow. Yeah. And um, you know, we're constantly trying to teach them that wealth building and working towards legacy is <laughs> there is not a YOLO mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, so it really is uh, an interesting study was done by Harvard. And um, from 1938, they did a long-term study with 724 teenagers, and they followed them throughout their life. And towards the end, it was all about following their financial roadmap. Mm -hmm. And at the end, they all had a very similar perspective. And what was that? The perspective ended up coming down to that it was much less about what was in their bank account and wealth was dictated by their health. Yep. <laughs> Who'd had the least, uh, you know, hip surgeries. Yeah. Um, their social interactions. Yep. Their hobbies. Mm-hmm. Their grandchildren. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, that that was kind of their litmus test for who was the wealthiest. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how they looked at themselves about how wealthy they were or weren't. You know, but I will say, as I'm re- as I was reading that study, I was thinking to myself, none of that happens in a vacuum. In other words, you can't get to a place where you can do your hobbies, spend time with your grandchildren, um, have the social interactions you want, unless 
you've spent a lifetime of shedding debt and controlling assets mm -hmm. that were and are income-generating assets. Right. So to reach that Shangri-La of, yeah. you know, wealthy yeah. um, and really not having anything to do with the number of uh, zeros in your bank account, um, it requires some steadfastness in the way you manage your finances. That's right. And I think even your health. When you look at people who are unhealthy versus healthy, most of the people who do are who have access to money they're healthier individuals because they have the money to mm -hmm. invest in themselves. Yeah. So all of that at the end is a byproduct to your point of what they've allocated their funds to that they've earned or saved mm -hmm. up to that moment. Yes. Um, I believe it's all tied together. I do agree. The older I get too, and I we say this all the time, like who cares if you have millions of dollars in the bank if you're unhealthy and can't even get off the couch to go on a trip? Mm -hmm. Like how depressing. Yeah. So, you know, even to those people who are all concerned about putting away every penny, I call them frugal McDougals. <laughs> that drives me nuts. Yeah. Make the investment in yourself. Yeah. Because you only have one life to live. And I see so many people put it away, put it away, put it away, but yet their health is deteriorating because they're not investing in their own... Their, their own well-being. Yeah. Their own wellness. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, sad. I, I, it you know, and that's one big component of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just uh, at the end of the day, I think all of us want to get to the same place. You can't. We think about this, but okay. what is that place, though? Okay, I was just because I was every just time we get there, we it, uh, the place moves. Yeah, this place is like, and I can see how everybody would do that. Mm -hmm. Well, I can only speak for myself, but the place that I want to get to yeah. is to where I'm what Robert Kiyosaki would call an I in the cash flow quadrant. Mm -hmm. um, it's an investor. And an investor simply means that you own enough income generating assets like real estate, businesses, investments that are, that are income producing, dividend yielding stocks, CDs, bonds, generating cash flow that is truly passive. And now... You can go about your life of doing your yoga, your Pilates, or your morning workout on the Peloton. Um, you know, go have your favorite salad for lunch. Uh, in the afternoon, you go and get some sun by the pool or the beach. And in the evening, you're you're having dinner with friends. Where and do I sign up? <laughs> that's <this>? the day, <laughs> right? And I don't see work in there anywhere. And um, so to get there, though, I, a lot of people try to get to that destination without dealing with the cancer that's in their financial body. Mm -hmm. And the cancer being debt that is unhealthy debt, mm -hmm. right? Um, it's debt that's dragging us down. We've talked to, we've talked to guests and clients that um, it was school debt. It was credit card debt. It was medical mm -hmm. debt. And they're trying to move on with their life. And yet, there's a cancer that hadn't been dealt with mm -hmm. that has to be cut out. Mm -hmm. It's not an option. Right. Like before you can get to the other place, um, I can't go in the gym and think I'm going to out, out fitness cancer, right? I've got to mm -hmm. deal with the cancer in, in as while I'm working in the gym. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think that that's the problem with society and it's modeled from the top, from our government down right now is we're not being taught how to be good savers. Mm -hmm. Our government's not good savers. And 
We're $1.08 trillion in credit card debt. So consumer credit card debt is one point what? Yeah, it's $1.08 trillion. $1.08 trillion in consumer debt. 3%, 3.1% from last year. And that's modeled from the top. Mm -hmm. You know, it's modeled from the top down. Our government's modeling how to overspend. um, and, And society is doing the same thing. And I think, you know, one of my heart cries is trying to teach people how to be good savers. Mm -hmm. But if you're servicing piles of debt every month, you cannot save. There's just no margin. And it's impossible to get to this place of wealthy while you're dragging a lot of dead debt and servicing Mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah. And so even rich people, rich people have a lot of debt. Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. That's what's funny about when you hear people say, if I just made X. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. But if you make X, if you make $100,000 a year, and you spend $99,000 of it on bills and you, the way you live, you aren't rich. Right. You're, you're, you're not rich or wealthy. Right. You're broke. Yeah. Right? Because I mean, you're paying for a lifestyle. That's right. You're paying for a facade. Right. You're paying for the next nicest car or bag or clothes. And, you know, we, lo- we all like nice things. Well, not everybody, though. Yeah. They don't like nice things, and that's okay. Because I, I actually appreciate, one of the answers I heard, too, is, you know, for me, it's about lifestyle. Mm. And I I totally could understand what she was saying. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a monetary number to define whether she was rich or wealthy. It was more of, listen, I just want to be able to live my life mm-hmm. and not, not worry about anything, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. Mm-hmm. Simple. It may be simple, but she's happy. How do you get there without having some savings. I agree with you. You have to have savings. I'm just saying that everybody is different in what they consider luxury. Yeah. You know, I like luxury in certain things, but there's others I could take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, The wealthiest people I've met in my life, if you saw them on the road, you wouldn't be sure if you shouldn't be handing them a $10 (laughs) bill or maybe a 20. Um, I know I've been with you and that's happened a couple of times. And I mean, it's literally, it's literally, (laughs) you know, um, the good old boys that I think about that were the wealthiest, um, you would never know it. Mm -hmm. And those were my financial mentors. Mm -hmm. And I, I always aspired to be the the wealthy guy that nobody knew was wealthy mm-hmm. um, because I don't need the flash. What I've always wanted was the freedom. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted the freedom. Yeah. I've heard you say that word so many times. I, and that's, that's it's ult- what it affords. That's what it affords. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with the the young lady we surveyed that said it was about lifestyle. Mm-hmm. But my my counterpoint is always, if somebody could show me how to get to the carefree lifestyle where it's just all about living that life of no worries um, and not have financial freedom, I'm all for it. But I haven't been able to figure it out except living in the mountains in Montana or living on some some farm in the middle of Costa Rica with, you know, not a dime to my name, but no worries either. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, yeah. it's not really realistic. It's not realistic, but I do think that for most people, I think looking at being rich as loud and flashy, I think rich is tied more to what they're making at their job, mm-hmm. whereas wealthy is tied more to savings yeah. and long-term. Yeah. I think for most of our listeners, that's the way they can categorize it. Mm-hmm. And I also would say that everybody's rich and wealthy looks different, mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yeah, 
You know, I can remember as a kid thinking, if I could just hit X, I will have made it. What's funny is for me, in my mind, and you've heard me say this before, I think, like if someone asked me, when will you know you've made it? Mm. Do you know what I would say? What? What I've always said. Like, if I could just sit on Oprah's couch and actually she interviewed me, <laughs> that's my moment I would know I made it. Ugh. It's not even a monetary number, yeah. though. It's it's, it's an right. event, right? It's event. It's an event. Yeah, it's so, a monument moment. It, yeah, yeah, it's more about what did I do that got me to there? That to me is like, I made it. Mm-hmm. That's it for me. That's good. And so everybody's true wealth looks different. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah. And I think what we get caught up in as a society is, and someone said it, if they're driving a Mercedes, I think I need a Mercedes. If they're driving, uh, you know, Range Rover, I need a Range Rover. Mm-hmm. And so we try to keep up with the Joneses, which we've mm-hmm. talked about, but at what cost? Yeah. Um, one of my earliest financial mentors, and he probably doesn't even know the impact he had on me, Claude Young. Mm-hmm. And he would say things all the time that just stuck in my head. And he talked about this one notion all the time. We'd see someone that was super flashy and he'd say, big hat, no cattle. (laughs) And I'd say, what do you mean? He's like, big hat, no cattle. He wears a big hat, but he doesn't have any cattle. And, you know, my, my destination was always to be the guy that had lots of cattle and didn't wear that big hat. Mm And there was just something about the the counter to that big hat, no cattle. I didn't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to put out to the world that I had it all and not have a whole lot. Yeah. And I'd rather very much have a whole lot that I could give back to society mm-hmm. in the way of knowledge, time, treasures, touch, and um, yet walk humbly mm-hmm. with the small hat. Mm-hmm. And um, truly, that was that was a mantra that um, has stuck with me for the last 30 years. I mean, yeah. it has never left. And um, I think our society has a has a real big hat, no cattle identification right now. And um, so, you know, we've got to start to break this um, love affair with consumerism mm-hmm. and start to think about how, how do we elevate ourselves beyond what's being modeled from us by our the, the highest echelon of, of our government and society and start taking care of our own for, for financial houses mm-hmm. first, you know? Yeah, and for anyone who's listening that you are just like, where do I even start? Because mm-hmm. that's the hardest part. I would say, number one, be clear about the goals and put it down for yourself. How much are you committed to really looking to earn this year? Write it down. Mm-hmm. How much are you committing to save this year? And write it down. And then once you have those two numbers, set up a clarity call. Yeah. And we'll help you and guide you down that financial track to reach those goals. I think that that's what we love doing the most. I think that's what people want. Um, so those clarity calls are free. And I know that we've helped so many and we hear their stories now of the success they're having, which is so encouraging. I know. It really... Um, it reminds us why we do what we do. Yeah, it's heartwarming. So, well, we'll, we'll have to do this again. This has been interesting. I oh, learned yeah. a lot. Me too. All right. 